Hello and welcome to Naturally Smart People. Naturally Smart People is a series of conversations which explore the relationship and connections between people, their places and the planet. This is our first show in the series and today we're delighted to talk to Robert Bernard Weston. This was recorded in April 2017. So, hi Rob. Hey, nice to see you. Um, what I'd like to do to start with is just ask you one or two things about yourself you know can you could you perhaps give us a lowdown on uh, your current world and who you, what, who you are and where you come from and what you've been doing yeah let's start from now and then you can stop me when it gets boring um so now uh, we're working on uh, groundswell is my sort of main thing um and i founded that in um, 1989 when my first child was shortly to be born and uh, so it's 27 like her and it does sustainability stuff. It does social and environmental responsibility consulting. And ironically, although it's called Groundswell, that's kind of the top-down stuff for governments and corporate leaders and NGO teams and people like that. Um, But we do quite a bit of bottom-up stuff, um, which probably should be called Groundswell, but is called all sorts of things. We have the Thoughtful Bread Company, we have... um, uh, pro bono work in things like launching the farmers markets movement in this country back in 85 some it was back in the last century sometime um and uh, we work in academia um there's a masters being put together at UCL on one of our programs at the NHS on sustainability in the NHS which is fun that's mm. nice to do um uh we've got an eco hotel uh, um so all these are the sort of um, oh, and a, a green energy company here in Bath, uh, which has come out of a composting, a monster composting company that I helped to launch with a friend of mine, Angus Cunningham, way back, again in the previous century, but which has now just landed uh, nine point something million pounds to turn itself into a green energy company based on providing 80% of the local town's energy from its own food yeah. waste, which is really quite fun. Um, that keeps it in the local economy, both in terms of food waste and in terms of energy provision. Um, so, so those are the bottom-up things we do, and then we do the consulting on strategy from top down through groundswell. Excellent. So, so really, what you're saying is, is there's a whole portfolio of activity rather than a sort of single career move. Absolutely, I can't do yeah. the same thing more than once. I get very bored very quickly. <laughs> and, okay, so so why? You know, the, the, the big question behind that is, you know, why? What What is the driving force behind this? What motivates you to do this? Well, um, actually, it kind of goes, it goes back to a moment when I launched Groundswell. I'd been 10 years in marketing and, 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 and I was uh, being paid quite generously, but it wasn't really scratching some kind of an itch I was beginning to notice. And so... Suddenly I had a, um, if I can be a little bit weird for a moment, I had a sort of imaginary conversation with my soon-to-be-born first child in which she said, um, in this imagined conversation that I had, uh, she said, Daddy, is this a, what's this world like then that I'm about to emerge into? You know, you've co-created me with Mum, so I think you owe me an explanation of what it's likely to be all about. And uh, is it safe? Is it prosperous? Is it, you know, and... and and if not, you know, what's your role in all of this? And are you part of the problem or the solution? And I had to answer her and say, and she's been giving me a hard time ever since, actually, funnily enough, keeps me real. Um, I had to say it's not all good 
and I'm part of the problem, to be honest. Um, in advertising, we're selling a lot of BMWs on behalf of BMW mm. and a lot of pension plans for NatWest and a lot of sugared cereals and platform shoes for various clients. But, you know, I think actually it's a bit of a... It's an issue that we need to address. So uh, before she actually arrived, which was only a few months later, I'd walked away from advertising and started Groundswell. So that's why it's the same age as her. Mm, mm, mm. So really there's a quite a profound shift of thinking as a result of a, a child emerging into the world that came with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, and, she's been and, kicking my ass ever since. Yeah. Um, what intrigues me about that is sort of partly to do with your origins as well in terms of your intellectual work because of the background encounters with Gregory Bateson mm. and the idea of the architecture of mind, you know, the, the, the habits of mind and the patterns we get into. So you get into a work environment like the advertising world and that becomes your architecture of mind and you still you sell stuff. Suddenly there's a new child coming shifts the habits of mind a different focus triggering a much much more sort of um, connected type of intervention in your own world I guess with yourself your family and where are we going with all this stuff and that 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 intrigues me so could, could you tell us a bit about that early formative period you know what were the things that Bates and particularly pushed yeah. in your direction that, that have held with you since you know it's interesting you should it's, listening to you say that it's, it's a, 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 an aha moment came to me which is that one of my favourite books of um, Bateson's work is the uh, the Metalogues with his own daughter mm-hmm. and we've just been yeah, talking about with my, Nora yeah, yeah. well, well with, with Mary Catherine originally and oh, Mary, yeah. Nora uh, I, I've been lucky enough to um get to know a little in recent times yeah. since she did the movie of her father's life that's right yeah um and uh so here we are talking about how my my daughter has impacted on well one of i've got quite a few like you i've got quite a few daughters <laughs> and sons, um and uh, uh they've all impacted obviously but but the dialogues the metalogues as they called them with mary Catherine bates and, and her father gregory mm-hmm. um had a massive impact on me originally in academic terms, because that's where I discovered them in my own postgrad programme, again, back in the last century. Seems like I've done nothing this century, doesn't it, really? <laughs> um, but what I have done has all been informed by that. And um, I, for me, Steps to an Ecology of Mind, the, the title of the book alone, mm. uh, which came out in the early 70s, as I recall, um, and yes. I still refer to on a regular basis, kind of sums up everything. The guy is a genius. Uh, mm. I, I was originally, a, or I am, have always been a philosopher. My, my, my academic work's always ultimately been around philosophy, and Bateson's has been ultimately, for all that he's a great polymath, about epistemology. And why that's important is because, as he says, and as, as, as Nora Bateson, whom you mentioned, uh, said to me, um, you know, and said in her movie about Gregory's work, you know, the, the fundamental issue is that humans cause problems because humans don't think the way nature works Mm. or rather the way the rest of nature works because it's thinking Mm. we're apart from not a part of nature Mm. that is the issue and mind you know you talked about um, mind and nature a necessary unity I seem to recall is the subtitle well that's That's the point Um, so for me and I wrote a book called Organismics um, Mm -hmm. uh, having been a former uh, being a former copywriter the subtitle of that book is a present for the future, um, and and what I, which is a bit grandiose, but but what I'm trying to say in there is, you know, 
if you understand that everything works both literally and metaphorically, uh, and there's another whole issue right there Bateson would mm -hmm. want to explore, and so do I, both literally and metaphorically, you know, all of existence is, 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 is as I would say, organismic. It's nested mm. colons from, you know, subatomic particles out to atoms, to molecules, to cells, to organs, to a human being, to a family, to a community, to a species, to a, right out to galactic. And they're yeah. nested holons all operating on effective, essentially the same algorithms. And if you get mm. that, if you know mm. that a forest and an ocean ecosystem are the same as an organization... An organism and organization have the same etymology, so it's pretty flipping obvious, yeah, yeah, except yeah. it's not because nobody seems to see it most of the time, which is why mm. we're in trouble. So if you get that, you understand that, for instance, I mean, we're working with the NHS. I'll give you an example, if I may, right there. Um, sure. The different departments of an NHS acute trust, like a half-billion-pound organization, um, will fight each other for budget and fight each other for influence, mm. and, 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 and mm. a lot of this stuff. Uh, leads to disease in that organism, or, sorry, organization, same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you can just get them to understand that the departments of an organization are like the organs of a body, your body or mine, and if your heart and your lungs are at war with each other for blood, you're going to flip and die. Yeah. Right? And yeah. that's what's happening to the NHS. So yeah. all you've got to do is get them to see the epistemological truth of the organismic nature of mm. their organization, and when they get the departments talking to each other like the heart and the lungs do, performing different functions, HR and finance have very different roles, mm. and the same is true, of course, in the private sector and the third sector and academia, where there's more infighting than anywhere else, as you and I both know only too well. Mm. Mm. That's right. I mean, the, the beauty of all of that is it's just so elegant and so obvious once you get it. Yeah, well, we didn't design it, did we? <laughs> Evolution did that. Or God, depending on what you're... And I was, oddly enough, I was reading this morning in prep for this discussion, uh, uh, the the um, Mind and Matter book. Um, what's it called? Yeah, the, the Mind and Nature, The Necessary Unity. Just at the early start of that book, and one of the things they talk about is the physicality of the architecture of buildings, separating and organising people into particular sort of pockets of ideas and departments, and how that transforms then into the, the mental model of, and the practicalities of how they go about doing daily life and exactly what you're saying you know that that, that sort of modern the modern challenge that we now have of getting beyond that and beginning to bring the ecological understanding into that environment um, where do you see the greatest impediments because surely one of the problems is that we physically created environments that illustrate the old mindset the industrialized in you know cartesian way of thinking compartmentalizing if we're looking for something that brings a unity does it does, does it imply that we have to almost rebuild as well as reconceptualize physically rebuild you know to to bring bring walls down in order to bump people together on a more regular basis um, is that one very obvious outcome or is that far too literal no, no, no. It, it's absolutely the case. Yeah, well, we didn't design you know, my it, My favourite acronym uh, is... <laughs> mm, Evolution did that. It's very or tasty. God, depending on... And it stands for much more than a mere metaphor. Um, yeah, it, it is literally the case, although there is a metaphor there, you know, the metaphor of the human body as applied to organisations, as we just did. But, but, but on, in, in the physical, to take the hardcore... You know, I'm working with the NHS, not through HR, although they absolutely, you know, get... Well, some of them get this and need this, but... But I'm actually working through with the NHS, with my colleagues, 
um, through uh, estates and facilities management. Um, and the reason why that's so important is because what they're beginning to realize is that building structures, actual literal building structures, not just you know juxtapositions of and organizations of uh, arrangements uh, of people, but the actual buildings in which they sit are non-organismic is the term I would use. They are cubic brutalist frequently, and there's a damn good reason for that word in my yeah. opinion. Brutalist buildings from uh, from you know from the 1950s mostly, and they are en their energy inefficiencies are more than mere metaphors for the organisational sickness that is built yeah. baked into the system. Yeah, we do. There's a there's a wonderful thing you may have encountered called the Well Standard, W E L L, and of course it applies massively to the NHS. It's about the opposite of sick building syndrome. Okay, and it's amazing. I've, if you walk into, I'm going to give them a plug because they earned it. Um, there's an outfit called Cundall, C-U-N-D-A-L-L, -L, and they're like building geeks. They are they, they do everything as they say that the architects don't do, and they have got gold uh, standard well gold uh, certification in the well standard. You walk into their office and it's like, oh my God, I'm in the Garden of Eden. Your body and your mind just go ah. Oh. And they've got plants everywhere. They've got um, curves as well as straight lines. They're all engineers, for God's sake. They're all facilities management and estate technicians. But they've got play areas for pinball and table tennis and carpet bowls. They've got uh, desks that you can stand and work at with your laptop. Mm. They're a bit geeky. They're a thousand quid each, but, you know. Mm. What I've been saying on that, Rob, is, is that, that that, to me, epitomises what you might call an ecological consciousness, that it's a deliberate yeah. thing. It's, not, it's not, not a habit, and it's not accident. This is a deliberate intervention. It's a way in which we can take ourselves from one position to another one through good design, through intelligent ecological design. And that then enables a lot of the things which are currently seen as problems, such as poor well-being, uh, stuck in one sit seat all day, or um, isolated off in, into individual compartments to learn and work to, to work, even though we're all working on the same thing. You know, all of those elements that are uh, the symptoms of the problem, of the disease, if you like, it, what you what you're getting at, I think, is this idea that if we if we simply align ourselves to that ecological understanding, the transformation almost comes naturally once you start doing it. But it's deliberate as well. We're deliberately choosing to do that. Yeah, is that is yeah. that a fair read of where you're coming from? Completely, completely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and what's so beautiful about it is uh, to go back to this nested holons thing. Mm -hmm. um, if you can get a whole human being to to achieve whole human being status. I mean, and, mm. as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not only working in academia and private sector, public sure. sector. I also have had 20-odd years of, of, of instruction from indigenous elders in, from various mm. different parts of the world. And they all have, among other things they have in common, they have the medicine wheel, which says, you know, north, south, east, west, and center. You've got mind, body, emotion, spirit, and interpersonal. And if you're firing on all five cylinders and firing strongly on all five cylinders, you are an optimized human being. Mm -hmm. You need your mental well-being, uh, mental understanding, as in the intellectual understanding of the issues. And that's what humans do, as you say, mm -hmm. the deliberate design of something, carefully planned and carefully measured and carefully executed. Then you've got the emotional stuff. You've got to have that right. 
Um, you, uh, you've got to have your uh, physical well-being. You've got to have your spiritual awareness. And that's not some woo-woo flaky thing. That's just what's my place in the bigger thing, whether it's my family, my community, or if you wish, the universe. And if you really want to go crazy, you can call it God. But, you know, and then in the middle, there's you and how you take all this and interface with other human beings. And indeed, perhaps more importantly, what David Abrams, David Abrams' book, uh, The Spell of the Sensuous, talks about the more than human world. And how do we interface with that? Because that's way bigger than we are. And we have a unique role, like every organ in your body. We have a unique role to play. We need to give and receive optimally. And to do that, we need to be balanced and firing on all those cylinders as individuals, as families, as organizations, and so on. And that means bringing the human unique human gift to this big mix of the more than human world. And they are actually Cartesian, you know, to a large degree. We are great at reductivist thinking, and it's, quite, it's got a purpose. We are great at analysis, and it's got a purpose. And, you know, bears are good at other things. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a, um, there's a landscape, if you like, that you're always putting in front of me which I find myself sort of staring at and thinking oh god yeah where where on earth do I begin and I'm just thinking for my colleagues that might be listening to this from different communities particularly from the school community that we work with um, and what they might ask themselves in terms of starting points or areas of support that they could draw on that you might have already encountered that could be a word of wisdom as you know as a i'll put this politely as an elder <laughs> of our community no i take that as a great compliment <laughs> I've, very, a I've, I've learned a lot from elders <laughs> <laughs> but but that idea of the wisdom of elders and the fact that you've been exploring this for some considerable period of your life now and as that goes on, you start to see the patterns repeat, repeating and those patterns get stronger in terms of the reinforcement of the understandings of what you're saying. So just for sake of guidance or provoking interest for others, where would you point people to at the beginning of this perhaps and start to say, what would you look for? What would you start to do that would give you a, a relatively confident start to get you know, it's, it's interesting you saying this because I'm afraid my answer is going to sound awfully like a plug for Paul Clark but when I was 10 a brief autobiographical framing if I may uh, we had some my late mum bless her had uh, what's now called bipolar she was physically violent very angry and home life was pretty terrifying and I became rather um terrified and as a consequence I got arrested by the transport police at the age of 10 for smashing trains up Inside anxieties into it, they weren't actually moving, uh, except they were rocking as we smashed all the windows and let all the sides down, literally and metaphorically, on the goods trucks and all the gravel spilled. Hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of damage, which today would be millions. Um, instead of being sent to a correctional institution in the clunky sense of a war stall, I was sent to a very, I was given a, an opportunity to sit scholarship exams to a school of astonishing compassion and educational rigour where you could walk into Oxford or Cambridge if you had the intellectual capability to do that, and most of the people there did. That was kind of its USP, really. But also quite a few of them were oiks like me, um, who were unhappy people. Uh, educare, the Latin stem, uh, for me has two meanings, uh, uh, and you'll see why I'm saying this in answer to your question. I'm sure you already can. Um, I was educated in the true sense of the word. I, I, I do carry means to lead out. I had led out of me all that I was capable of becoming. 
all my strengths, gifts and talents were, you know, identified and optimised for emergence and you know, um, deployment in the world. And then, that's the point, the second meaning of educare for me, education is to lead the individual out into society to give and receive optimally. And that's what education means. And that's what Socrates was teaching Plato when Plato taught Aristotle and it's come down all the way from way before them and, and since then. So my point is this, the guys who founded that school I was sent to, I was lucky enough to win the scholarship that I was put up for by a very compassionate educator, my headmaster, had worked the entire length of the Burma Railway as a Japanese POW, and he'd been pulverized by Providence and become a great educator. He'd been there, he'd suffered the pain, he knew what it was like to go through hell. He could see that this kid, in my case, it was me, obviously, was going through a different kind of hell. His mother was in a mental institution having electroconvulsive therapy and antipsychotics, and his dad was trying to raise him and his three sisters, and it was all a bit of a flipping mess. So he plucked me out of that and put me into a new educational establishment as an educator himself, in which I was able I was taught ecology from the 1968 arrival at that school, which, you know, God, what a school, eh? Um, and I was taught everything else I needed to know to become what I was capable of becoming to whatever degree I have. Uh, I was truly educated. Now, uh, last thing I'd say about that education, my answer is a long one, but I'm saying basically education is the answer to the problem you you asked me to discuss. Um, the, the, that school was founded in 1920 by the Wills family, the tobacco barons, funnily enough. Um, a lot of people think that's a very unethical enterprise, but it funded this and other educational establishments um, because the Wills family recognised that at the end of World War One there might be a way through education of not of, of obviating the problems that had caused that conflagration that was World War One. Now we had World War Two, of course, but but they did get some very powerful, benign societal viral healing going through the foundation of my school, and uh, it's called Renkham College, by the way, in, in the Cotswolds, and I, I would recommend it to anybody. It's still rocking and rolling to this day, more so if anything. And you know, Gordonston was founded on the same kind of Kurt Hahn philosophy, and it was about recognizing the importance of, 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 of ecology by being outdoors a lot. It was about recognizing the importance of manual work as well as intellectual work. Ironically, in an educational establishment, we always think of them as being only above the neck, but they're not. They're about, you know, you work in your garden as much as you work in the lecture theaters and, 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 and in, 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 in publishing papers, you know. I've worked in your garden with you, rolling our sleeves up and getting stuff done. Um, and so, um, when you look at the sorts of um, outcomes of uh, uh, um, educating people in this whole person way, it's back to the mm -hmm. you know, academic, emotional, physical, spiritual, and interpersonal skills, when you get them educated in such a way that they fire on all of those cylinders and they fire powerfully and evenly, equally, on all of those cylinders, mm -hmm. they rock and roll and you get great outcomes. So mm -hmm. there's a long answer to a short question, forgive mm -hmm. me. Oh, no, that's a super answer, and I think it's a great way to finish our conversation, really, because it, it, it points to the centrality of education as the, as the way forward for us, yeah. but also the importance of actually thinking again about what type of education we provide, because that's something I think is a consistent feature of all of our work, isn't it? It's a questioning the, the logic of the existing arrangements and actually saying, look, there are other ways that we can productively move forward and we can educate ourselves to do those things. 
Um, but we do need to be able to do exactly what you've demonstrated throughout your life, which is to step back sometimes and look again at things. And in, in so doing, give people a really clear new line of inquiry. Um, it's almost that opportunity to step out from the, the day-to-day. And it's a, it's a rare gift. I mean, I have to say, you know, it's just, you don't meet people very often who can both demonstrate that in terms of the intellectual analysis of it, but also in terms of the practicalities of taking that forward in existing institutions. So that sort of work in the, that you're doing in the NHS, for example, at the moment, a profoundly important need mm. at a moment when the crisis is evident. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting because, in a sense... Coming back to that idea of it being holistic, it is also there very strongly in education systems as well. You know, the same type of problem lies in our school system as it does perhaps in the NHS, as it does perhaps in our governance of big organisations or little organisations that are simply focused on certain types of outcomes not aligned with ecological consciousness, if you like. And I think that's the, that's the message that I get very strongly from your work that it's that uh, ability to both align and act and and confidently act in the in the knowledge that this will come you know this is this is as you said right at the beginning this is universal this is talking to people before they're born for the next generation to take it forward and it's it's a message that goes back into the canon of time as well so it's a, it's it's a great opportunity to sort of grasp it for our first talk and um, <laughs> thank you Robert I, I really appreciate the time and the, the, the opportunity just to have that super half an hour of indulgence <laughs> I look forward to many many more I thoroughly enjoyed it as I always do enjoy such opportunities to sound off <laughs> thanks Paul Well, thank you for listening to our first podcast of Naturally Smart People. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell your friends and pass it on. Um, We want to say a special thank you to Robert Barnard-Weston for taking part. If you want to find out more about Robert's work, go to groundswell.co.uk. Thank you to The Boats for letting us use their music. You can find out more about The Boats at oursmallideas.tumblr.com. I'm Paul Clark, and this is a 2017 Pop-Up Foundation press recording. For more work, more information on the work of the Foundation, um, go to foundation.rocks, our website, where you can find a blog, Connection to the Naturally Smart World Network, to our coffee project and other things. If you want to leave feedback, you can do so at SoundCloud, Medium, or review us on iTunes and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye bye.